Hey guys, I'm Kerwin. And I'm Kenneth. We are the Donis Brothers. Jeffy is busy today, so it's just Kenneth and I, but today we are talking about identifying a good market to invest in. Kenneth is the acquisitions guy on our team, and so he knows all things about markets and what to look for, what to avoid, and some red flags. So starting out, uh, Grant Cardone, I believe, I'm sure a lot of people say this, but I remember Grant Cardone saying, location, 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 it's very important. Um, I think having a good market is a great way, it's one of the biggest risk factors when you're looking at an investment opportunity. And so if you pick a good market, even if the economy takes a down, uh, a downturn and a turn for the worst, your property will, it's, it can still perform well if it's in a good market, right? Yeah. So, I mean, in downturns, you know, what we've seen in the past is rents don't necessarily continue to rise as they've been doing, but they don't necessarily dip. So you will at least still have the same amount of income and as long as you can make your debt service and you're not losing um you know pretty much revenue you can uh, make your debt service uh you know your just cover your debt payments to the loan and you can keep the property and pretty much just wait for um the market to go back up which typically especially in multifamily, it does very quickly absolutely and i did i, I did some research i wanted to kind of list some of the top markets in the country just so we can provide some context and i'm sure there's a good chance some of you are living in these markets and it helps to kind of have a visual of oh okay well i understand why this market's good so starting out austin texas i think we can understand why i always hear about austin texas on tv and yeah. um, just in real estate of course as a real estate investor but more practically, I think certain places, it's in the mainstream, it's becoming more popular with young crowds. And so great market, Raleigh, Durham, obviously we live here, which is coincidence, but uh, what is it? I don't know. Uh, it's a great market. Uh, we have a lot of hospitals here, big universities like Duke and UNC, uh, just really strong anchors. There's Amazon's moving here. Apple's moving here. Uh, what, are, what are some other reasons that you would say? Um, I mean, it's research triangle. So, yes. I mean, there's a, a big, um, just a big it's yeah. just a great location yeah. for jobs, and a lot of jobs seem to be coming to and the Carolinas. Jobs brings people, and people need somewhere to live, and so that's and why it, people are. Yeah, and people investors. also people also bring money. Yes, exactly, and so that's why real estate investors are finding a lot of opportunity here. And uh, in general, I did want to dive. In. I know I mentioned this, but um, economic recessions, uh, the economic cycle is it consists of booms and busts. So. When the economy takes a downturn and things don't go well, it's important to be invested in markets that are resilient to these economic changes. Kenneth, do you have anything that you'd like to kind of, why do you think the market is so important when it comes to being resilient and weathering the storm or weathering an economic storm? Yeah. So, I mean, and the market has a lot to do with, um, I mean, the location market if people are leaving, that means that you cannot push your rents and that means that you might even have to drop your rents because in order to be competitive, um, you know, if there's less people, that means uh, more supply and more supply means uh, less money. So mm -hmm. it's just supply and demand. So typically in big markets, more jobs are moving there, like we said, and that means yep. that more people are moving there. And with more people, that means that there needs to be more supply. And if everyone is, is trying to get the same apartment, that apartment is worth more, so you can charge more. Yeah, 100%. And so we actually invest in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, in general, Georgia and North Carolina, those are our main markets. We have some properties in Jacksonville, Florida, and a property in Texas. But in general, uh, well, I think we can start off by just kind of touching on what attracted us to those markets and what makes them really great places to invest. You, I would say first off, 
there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of people moving there. I think uh, that there's a trend. A lot of people are leaving large urban metros and they're moving to Sunbelt states uh, or just southern states in general. There's a lot of reasons for that. They are maybe landlord friendly, so they're better places to invest. They might have lower taxes, so it's cheaper to live there. Uh, the cost of living is typically cheaper as well. And, and the weather, a lot of times people don't want to have to put up with the colder climate that they might find in a urban uh, northern city when they can just get nicer weather in a southern state and get similar benefits. And COVID and, COVID and the impacts of COVID from people having to leave their jobs and being able to work virtually, that gave them more lifestyle flexibility. So they're able to live in other places and why would you live in a cold city when you can live in a nice uh, place with a beach, you know? Yeah, and also, and I mean, most, I mean, a $500,000 house in New York buys you like a little, uh, you know, a little, like really tiny house. Yes. And then you can come to either, you know, North Carolina, South, really most of the majority of the South states and for 500 grand, you can, you can get a pretty nice house, honestly. Yeah. So yeah, I mean like your money just stretches more and with people yep. just being more virtual, they're working from home, they're starting to realize that, you know, like I, if I'm going to be working from home, I want to be more comfortable, you know, things like that. So, yeah. And I, my brother, Jeffrey mentioned the other day. Uh, so now we want to dive into some of the benefits of looking at certain markets over others and what we look for in, in our markets that we invest in. Uh, Jeffrey mentioned that I'm going to tie into this, but in Detroit, I believe it was heavily uh, a, a large percentage of the working population was uh, very centralized in one industry. And so I think, I believe it was the, the car industry. I might be wrong, but it was like car manufacturers. They left though, and that that industry really tanked uh, in, in that area. And as a result, a lot of, a large percentage of the population, they lost their jobs. And so that's why it's really important to not only find a place where a lot of jobs are coming, but make sure that it's a diversified industry, uh, work, work industry. So there's not just one group. Employer. One employer, exactly. So if it's hospitals, great, but you want a little more diversity. And it also, it might take some common sense as well, like to think it's how essential is that industry. So hospitals are typically not going to go out of out of you know out of work anytime soon. People are always yeah. going to need hospitals, but maybe they might not need uh, car manufacturing and or the oil industry. Things like that they can change. Whereas other things might be more resistant to change over time. Yeah, and so also looking in, and we mentioned this earlier, but looking at the major employers in the market, it's really important. Keep an eye on if uh, obviously the name brands like Apple. Uh, Amazon, are these people, are these big organizations moving to these markets? You know, a lot of times you'll see this on the, the news headlines. It's big news, especially it's, it's really good for the state because they know that it promotes economic growth and it brings higher income earners. And so that'll, they'll be spending money in these states, things like that. What are some other things you look for in a good market when it comes to maybe uh, like cost of living or uh, expenses in terms of uh, anything? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we like to see, of course, job growth, um, yeah. population growth. We like to see uh, a decent medium household income, honestly. Um, and yeah, I mean, those yeah, are landlord friendly states are also really important. Oh, yeah, I touched on this earlier, but landlord friendly state, uh, well, the difference between a landlord friendly state and a resident favored state is a state that if you're trying to evict a non-performing tenant, it might be easier to do it in one state than the other. And a lot of times the government, it's not, it's, you can definitely look it up, figure out if they prefer or typically are to side with the tenant or the landlord. And this is important for different people. If you're a tenant, okay, you might prefer if it's a resident friendly state, but as a landlord and as an investor, it's important to make sure you're investing in these states. And 
Uh, I think that is also a factor that a lot of uh, in real estate investors specifically look to invest in other states. And that kind of growth, it makes it just friendly for you to invest in. Because if you're looking to invest in a state, you don't want to invest somewhere where it's going to take you months and months to take someone out of your property that isn't paying because you're still responsible for the debt on the property and any other payments that you owe and any other debt that you have on it. So you want to make sure you're able to get them out as quickly as possible. In North Carolina, we actually evicted a, uh, a tenant not that long ago. Can you kind of dive into that story just real quick? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we of course, had a tenant um, that wasn't, unfortunately, was not paying. Um, I mean, he owed us three months rent, so almost um, almost three grand. Yeah, um, and and we, so, were still, I mean, we were still paying the mortgage as well. Yeah, I mean, that had to, of course, come out of our pocket, but mm-hmm. we were fulfilling our end of the of, of the agreement, and, and he, unfortunately, was not. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I understand, you know, people go through things, but we, we... reached out multiple times. We even had a police officer go to the property and find him. He wasn't there. Um, it was honestly, it was, it was, we were concerned, but we were ghost, we were ghosted by the, by the tenant. So we had to take action. We moved to evict them. And can I, do you remember how long it took from just general, general? It took about 45 days. Um, I mean, it didn't take that long. You know, I hired an attorney, paid them to do it. They pretty much did all the paperwork, all, you know, they went to the court for us, um, you know, just documentation. Um, so yeah, it didn't really take that long, but yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that's another factor, you know, how, how landlord friendly is the state? If there's rent control in the state, like California has rent control, rent control is essentially when the government or the local policy is that you are only able to raise rents a certain percentage. So you're not able to, if 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 the if the market supports higher than higher rent growth than what legally you're allowed to do, then you really can't value it. You can't add as much value as you potentially could. And so I believe um, Jacksonville, Florida, was experiencing around 18 percent. Uh, growth, but I believe there are some states where you can only increase by, let's say, just for example, if the if the if the state only allows you to increase rent by eight percent or ten percent, then you aren't that extra eight to ten percent. You're not allowed to push rents higher than that. So that really will impact your value add. It can impact your returns to your investors, and it just has a lot of negative impacts that you should be conscious of if you're looking to invest in a state. Yeah, and and eighteen percent is yeah eighteen percent in the last twelve months. That's what Jacksonville. Yeah, did. and and. and and to, to, to put that into perspective, you know, if you were paying $1,000, you're now paying almost $1,200. So $1,180. So that, usually we underwrite that for renovating a unit and pushing the rent after putting seven grand into mm-hmm. into units. But it's just doing that organically. So rents are just, just going crazy. Yeah. yeah. And of course, you know, crime is, a, is another factor that we like to be aware of when we're looking to move into a market. Not, and I think this is more sub-market specific because, of course, a state, uh, crime is going to vary throughout the state. So you want to look at the specific market. And I think that that varies per property. So how, what what, do you, what should you look for when you're looking at a property or an area, like a little neighborhood uh, in terms of the crime? And what are some maybe red flags? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there can be crime literally in the best places. I mean, mm-hmm. typically not, but there could be. Like robberies, Excuse things like that. Break-ins, robberies. Um, but, you know, we don't want to see crime like people getting shot or murders on the property just because. And it happens. It's happened. It, it does happen, <laughs> even in the best of places, honestly. Yeah. Um, exactly. But, yeah, like that's that's a red flag, especially if it happens more than, mm-hmm. a f- more than once in like one to two years. So if you see that it's happened in the past, I mean, there could be a story and it could have just been a one-off thing. But if it's consistently happening... That's definitely a red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I believe there's, an, uh, particularly the lender doesn't like it when there's certain crime. The lender is your biggest investor in, in, yeah. in a property. So 
what are their concerns with crime? It just, is it similar to what you just said? Well, I mean, no one wants, I mean, if someone dies on your property, that's a big liability. So, you know, insurance, um, you know, lawsuits, just all kinds of headache that the, the lender doesn't want to be a part of. We would not want to be a part of. Um, and then, of course, you know, someone dying is just, you know, just unfortunate. So yeah, and this is maybe I mean, of course, if they die from natural causes, that's one thing. But like, I think you're referring mainly to like murder. Yeah, like someone getting shot, stabbed. Yeah. Um, Kidnap, like just really, uh, I guess. Are you speaking from experience of kidnap? No, 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 no. I'm being dramatic. Okay. People, but I, just crime in general, okay. like things that are um, just violent yes, crimes. Yes, violent crimes. I think that's the key. Violent mm-hmm. crimes. And of course, you can't avoid every crime. I mean, things like Kenneth said, things, bad things happen in good neighborhoods and bad neighborhoods. It's just important to be aware of what the historic, the history of that area is and maybe that property. And that way you can kind of have an understanding of maybe the people that might want to live in that property, the people that live around that property and you can make a educated decision based on that information if you want to invest there and take that risk, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I also like to always touch on market anchors. Uh, market anchors are different depending on where you are, but for I'll just speak for Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, that area. Uh, we have universities, colleges, like the, the education, uh, institu- educational institutions and things like that. We also have hospitals and uh, the Raleigh is also a capital uh, of the state. So that makes it a strong anchor as well. Tech hubs. Um, yes. Just uh, business. Uh, large businesses. Yeah. Like large business. These are, these are, these are things that are going to be strong in, if an economic downturn takes place, these are th- like colleges typically don't go out of business unless it's some small college, but most colleges will continue to have students. Uh, students, you know, of course are going to need somewhere to live and they might actually end up working in that area. A lot of times there's a lot of businesses that come to an area Students might start businesses in that area. So just you have to think of kind of outside the box too. But hospitals are another great example that I touched on earlier. People are always going to need access to medical care and attention. So that's obviously going to be very important. And it's actually a strong indicator that there's good jobs in that area. People are going to those nurses and doctors. People are going to need a place to live. School zones are also a factor that you should take into account when you're looking at a market. Uh, a lot of times a good school zone is a place that people are going to want to move to and live in. So it'll be more desirable. Or if it's a bad school zone, then or the schools aren't high performing schools, then it might be a good indication of maybe the types of people that are going to be living in the property and also whether or not you're going to be able to attract the residents you want or if people are just going to be wanting to live in that market in general. And maybe if you're wanting to tailor to families in your in your apartment or, or even your rental, if it's a single family house, then what kind of people are going to want to live in that property uh, as a parent, you take the school into account. Definitely. Uh, especially, you know, with like the influx of people that are moving here. Yeah. They're definitely looking at what schools and what's, you know, like what areas have the best schools. And then they're looking for properties, um, whether they're buying or renting single family or apartments, they're looking for what school, what areas have the best school districts. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned that is because even during an economic downturn, people are still going to need to send their kids to school, you know? So even if maybe they can't afford that rent anymore, someone is going to want to live in that, in that, in that school zone and want to have access to your rental because you have to put the address if you want access to that public school. If it's public, if it's private, well, then chances are you're going to have a good tenant base anyway Yeah, because uh, te- you have to pay for private school. Um, military is another strong anchor. that we have, we have one in Fayetteville. It's a military base there. We have a, um, a single-family rental, yeah. Okay, well, we're talking about the military base. In oh, but yeah, there is a, um, yeah, one of the biggest military bases, yeah. I think, and, actually. And, and the military is also, I would be very hesitant to 
that be that being the main employer in that area because I there has been instances in the past not in our experience but I've heard of other investors uh, the military base was moved and it was it really impacted the economy there because that was one of the biggest em- employers there and it was an overwhelming percentage of the population there actually worked at or with that military base. Yeah. So, oh, I wouldn't say, I mean, I don't, I don't think you, you can't really just pick up a military base and move it, obviously. Move so, it. but I think what he means is like, when we go to war, all of the people that are literally living, like if the population on your property is majority military, they legally are allowed to break the lease and stop paying you. So if you have 20% or more of people living in your property and one day all of them just leave, yeah, you're in big trouble. Yeah, I mean, that's of course the worst case, but yeah, no exactly. one thought COVID would happen and it happened. So you want to make sure you're kind of insulating yourself from that risk and that danger of that potentially happening and what you're going to do if that happens. So it's good to have a military base in your market, but don't let it be the main employer or the overwhelming majority of the place people work. And so in general, Kenneth, do you think we should, someone, if, you know, if you're looking to travel to, or if you're looking to invest in a market, should people travel to the market in person? Is that necessary? Well, see it themselves. I think, I mean, in order to at least start looking, I would say you don't have to, but eventually, especially if you're looking at properties at that point, you would want to see um, the market just in general, you know, just drive it, get a feel. Um, I mean, you can really tell um, how a market just feels by just driving it, you know, um, you know, some markets might seem like a little spread out and just a little bit more quiet. And then other markets are, are, you know, cities and and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I I would definitely say it's, it would be important eventually before you buy a property to at least go there, but you don't necessarily have to. I mean, if you have boots on the ground that can do that for you, um, you know, they can, they can pretty much, uh, just kind of let you know, but at least know someone if, if it's not going to be you. Yeah, absolutely. I would also say it's important to have, just have boots on the ground or, or if you can't be there yourself because you want somebody that has access to the property if you need it, or if something, if there's an emergency, you, someone needs to be able to access it. Uh, also fun, like, I guess pro tip, I don't know if you guys probably already do this, but if you don't visiting the property at night is something that is might seem like common sense, but actually makes a lot of sense when you think about it. And maybe you didn't think of it. If visiting at the property at night, you can kind of tell what's the nightlife like in terms of, is there people on the streets? Uh, are there people just walking around or does it seem kind of quiet? You know, getting a, a sense for, of that would actually help when it comes to knowing what the market's like both during the day and night. And also you can kind of put yourself in your own uh, residence shoes and see, okay, would I be comfortable living somewhere like this? Uh, is this the type of people I might want to be have living in these properties? Would the person I want to be living in these properties be happy in this kind of area? Things yeah. like that. Do I, do I feel safe? Like, yeah. is there enough do I feel lighting? Safe? Yes, lighting. All, all small, might seem like small details, but it makes all the difference, especially in the appearance. Because what if a potential resident is driving past the property at night and doesn't like the area or doesn't like the way it looks or it looks kind of dingy if it's dark? Things like that. Really small things. And we can really have a major impact on it. Yeah. Um, and I like how you said you don't have to live in the market. I don't know if you, you mentioned that, but I think you did. You don't have to live in the market where you're going to be investing in, but we like to live in markets that we like to invest in markets where we can actually travel to and within reason, you know, we don't want to have to take a five, 10 hour flight to visit the market. And that's just our personal preference. But Kenneth, can you kind of touch on maybe why, what are the benefits of living kind of in close proximity to the markets you're investing in? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you can just travel to them. You can see properties that, you know, are being sent to you. Um, you know, it, it's just closer, you know, if something were to happen and you had to get up 
right now and get there you can get there within you know a few hour drive or or maybe like a quick uh plane ride but um yeah yeah and and i know that i believe uh, i listened to this on a podcast the other day and someone on the podcast said that real estate is local so even if there's a national economic crisis real estate it really you have to be have to kind of have your a pulse on the specific market that you're investing in so what happens in one market in north carolina is going to be very different from what happens in the market in uh like California, you know, they're going to be, it's going to be differences. And so I just kind of wanted to touch on what people mean when they say real estate is a local, it's locally based, you know, it, it, it's a, yeah, because I mean, in certain areas, I'm looking at deals that are 70,000 a unit, right. And in certain they're pushing 200 K a unit. So it's mm -hmm. like, it's all based on where you are and 100%. every single unit, some, some, in some areas, labor might be a little bit more in some areas, labor might be less. So you might get materials cheaper in some areas. You might get cheaper for more expensive. So it's all local and not just that, but the rent growth, job growth, like all of that is local to that specific area. So, yes. And I'll just give you an example. Charlotte, North Carolina, I, I believe was experienced, continued to experience strong growth throughout the pandemic, whereas California, uh, the markets that were maybe more impacted because people were leaving like California, they had much different experience than a market like Charlotte, where people were actually moving into. So just to kind of juxtapose those two markets and, and show there's a big difference between them. And it just really depends on the local market, because overall, uh, similar things were happening as a, as a nation, you know, we were all experiencing quarantine and people all over the country were losing their jobs or, or leaving their jobs, things like that. So you really have to look at it on the kind of a, a micro economic level. And of course, macroeconomics is important, but when it comes to real estate, things really happen on the micro level. And that's why maybe what things happen on anything that happens to the nation might not really impact a market the same way, different, two different markets the same way. If you guys have any questions about what to look for in a good market, maybe what to, what some red flags are or what, reasons we like to invest in certain markets and maybe what reasons we have to avoid other markets, let us know down in the comment section below. Also share what markets you like to invest in and maybe if there's a market you will never invest in again or you will never invest in, we would love to know what those are. So drop them down in the comment section below. If you got any value out of this episode, please share it, like and subscribe to our channel. And if you want to find us, Kenneth, where can they do that? Uh, you can find us at Donis Brothers on pretty much every single platform. So Instagram, yep. Twitter, TikTok, um, YouTube. Um, yeah. And yeah, if you want to check us out, uh, our, our, our five mistakes, passive investors make playbook. That's www.donisinvestmentgroup.com backslash playbook. Just some free education, no uh, financial advice, but it might be a great resource for you. If you're looking to invest at some point in real estate, let us know if you have any questions or if you want to just chat, DM us on social media. Yeah. Thanks guys for your time. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Let's take action. Take care.